Good evening, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is you are listening to Ouch My Thirties, the podcast about the decade no one prepared us for. This is your host, Duval George Gallpepper, coming to you live from an undisclosed upstate New York location on a rainy day. Ah, uh, hey guys. I'm feeling goofy. I'm feeling a little silly. Feeling a little silly today. Uh, I hope you guys are all well. Uh, I had some some thoughts that I wanted to share with you. Uh, I was recalling visiting my father in prison. And, you know, I don't like to harp on my father. Of course I do. That's a lie. Uh, if Mark Marin can talk about his dad all the time, so too can I. And, uh... You know, the thing about visiting my father, my mom brought me to see my father, um, you know, from when I was born until I was 18, when I had the freedom to no longer have to see him. But he was at this upstate prison, Greenhaven Correctional Facility, which was, it looked like a castle. It literally looked like a medieval castle, something out of Lord of the Rings, this gray granite fortress in the woods. So in my mind as a kid, this was like, an adventure. You know, it wasn't like, my father's in prison. It was like, your father is kept in Greenhaven Keep, and you, a holy paladin, must seek to free him from the clutches of the evil dark, dark lord known as the Prison Industrial Complex and white people from the CIA. <laughs> so it was very, uh, visually uh, intense and as a young boy it like fit my young video gaming fantasy nerd uh, aesthetic so for all intents and purposes it's pretty cool to visit my dad in prison uh, you know which is a stark contrast from what you probably see in films which is you know like the father and son separated by a, by a plexiglass window you know with, with holding two phones and they both place their palm up to the plexiglass and you say I'm gonna be home soon hey put me in here love's gonna bust me free that's uh, Denzel Washington in the hurricane. So, you know, going to visit him was visually cool that way, but it took for fucking ever. And I think, you know, while my father was in prison, you know, he was upset that I didn't visit him more as an adult. But you know how many fucking lines there are to get to someone in prison? Not like to get out, like to get into a prison. There are so many fucking lines. You show up at the front desk. Some, you know, some Barbara signs you in, in the front front desk. You walk up to a metal detector, take off your shoes, you step through. You step through the metal detector, you get wand, waved down with a wand, with a metal detecting wand, also. You put your shoes back on, they give you a black light stamp, you go to this large metal door. It opens very slowly. You step through. That metal door closes behind you. You put your wrists up to the black light to confirm the black light stamp you just got 37 seconds ago. The next front door, the next metal door opens. You step through. You walk through a metal uh, fenced-off area that separates the main hall to where the prisoners are held. You go through that. You enter another waiting room. There's another Barbara who signs you into that. You sit around. You go into another fucking hallway, and then you sit there with a bunch of other families who have to go see their criminal fathers, or cousins, or brothers, or whatever. And you sit. For an indeterminate amount of time. And this is, you know, in the 90s, and this has been the mid-90s, where there were, no, there were no cell phones. You just stared at yourself. 
and your mom being like, what the fuck are we here? Finally, someone hits like a red button, a guard, and then you enter the, vis- the visiting area. And then you get to another fucking Barbara who's like 37 feet above you on some sort of podium. And you say who, you're there, who, who you are there to visit. And then you sit down. And after all of that, he's not there. So you fucking wait, you spend like an hour and a half trying to access this criminal father of yours, and then he's still not there. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Am I keeping you from something, father? Where the fuck are you? I don't know. It always bothered me how much goddamn time it took to uh, get to my father. And by that time, you only had 45 minutes after eight hours. You know, you got up at six o'clock in the morning in Harlem to drive up to Greenhaven, to Stormville, New York. It, the, the, the economics of visiting him. Just weren't working for me. Uh, but he's out of prison now, so those days are over, uh, hopefully. Uh, I don't know. I was just thinking about that the other day, how much it bothered me, how long it took to <laughs> access a criminal uh, father of yours. Dad, if you're listening, I hope you're doing well. Uh, yeah. So all that said, uh, I've been thinking about doing cognitive behavioral therapy. Any of you guys familiar with that? Uh, I've kind of dialed down, you know, I talk about, you know, mental health on this a lot and, you know, I often make remarks about suicide and wanting to kill myself and I know some of you listening take that to heart and, you know, are like, don't, don't do that. And I'm like, you know, and I get it and I most, you know, look, these are real thoughts. This is a platform for these things and when shit gets dark and overwhelming, your options are limited. Uh, but all that said, I've been able to kind of distill my feelings into uh, a plan of action to address the sort of negative thoughts and self-defeating ideas that land me in those sort of thoughts. Shut the fuck up! Those thought processes. Um, and again, so it's, and it was, you know, so I called this place and, you know, it did a little like, you know, 15-minute consultation. And uh, the way they presented it made a lot of sense to me because, you know, you can, I've been to like therapy and like, I've not very often, but I've gone to a couple of sessions, uh, at a time over the years, um, with therapists and, you know, it's good. It's always good to talk to somebody, but there's less of a structure and it's less goal focused. And for me, it's just like, I'm, I've just become like a, a wild health hypochondriac and so much of my anxiety revolves around just like my crumbling body. Because, you know, like four years ago, I just started getting all these like aches and pains that I just had never experienced in my entire life. And when you have that, it's uh, scary. Uh, but over the years, you know, I've, in, in other episodes, I've talked about myofascial release and, you know, trigger points. And, you know, there's just a lot of shit no one tells you about. And you either have to take it upon yourself to educate yourself or rely on people's bullshit i.e. like doctors that are just like, take 1600 ibuprofen. So anyway, my point is, uh, I plan on starting this cognitive behavioral therapy because so much of it is very um, structured. I forgot why I'm talking about this. But uh, like when COVID first started, first started like March 27th, I was like playing video games and I was like, (coughs) I'm coughing, I'm dying, I'm dead. Drove to the emergency room and was fine. But this is when, like, the tests were scarce. They were like, please, like, unless you're a medical professional, do not try to seek tests. We only have so many of them. And I, like, drove straight to the hospital with a cough and, like, you know, like a, a little, little, little runny nose. I was just like, yeah, fork it over. But I didn't ask for the test. I just said, you know, like, I was like, having trouble breathing or something. I was either having a panic attack or maybe I had allergies. 
who fucking knows? It wasn't COVID. But this like Latino nurse was like, I think I've seen you here before. Uh, and I'm like, glad to be known at the emergency room. Because I would go all the time for like the most random ailments. I'm just like, I got I got some oil on my eye. Am I blind? I'm blind. I cannot see. Oh. I don't know who that's supposed to be. That's me being Ray Charles, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I, I go to the emergency room a lot. But at the end of it, they're like, well, Mr. Culpepper, uh, other than squandering scarce and desperately spread thin medical resources, you're fine. Have a good day. <laughs> uh, so doing the CBT, I want to do that so my mind doesn't immediately go to like, you have brain cancer or like, you know, Fukushima radiation poisoning uh, and like logically break down these things rather than me going into immediate panic mode and going to the ER because, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a hypochondriac in my 30s. Uh, but we'll get there. So if you guys, anyone done CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy? I'm going to keep saying it. Uh, really, that was just like a long setup for that joke that I want to do eventually. The uh, Me going to the emergency room during the height of a, a medical pandemic with a, with a runny nose. And then being like, uh, Mr. Culpepper, other than squandering precious medical resources, you're perfectly fine. <sighs> God, I miss open mics. So yeah, that's that's... I guess it's just an update on where I'm at right now. I've been swimming pretty often. I've been trying to swim every other day. This like country club has a program with the Y where if you sign up for like the Y for like $12, you can swim at this country club. And it's a country club, but it's pretty white trash. Like these white people, white people love hanging on to like the vestiges of their like colonial importance in the world. You know, because you, ha- you have all these like fucking middle managers at car dealerships you know, showing up to, like, golf at the country club that doesn't have a pay- properly paved road and some bullshit pool. And, you know, they're like, we're members of a country club. Like, nigga, this is like the community pool at, in, in Espinar Gardens in Harlem where I grew up, okay? You guys are not fancy with your fucking 2012 Mercedes you're driving around. <laughs> As opposed to my 1997 Mercedes I'm driving around. But you get my point. I don't know. But pain in your 30s, like, you start making sound effects from first-person shooters. Like, I was getting into my car, and the door very lightly closed on my leg. You know, it didn't, like, slam on it or anything. It was just the momentum of me getting into the car. The door, the car door kind of, like, bumped my leg. And I did a doom, you know, pain sound effect. Like, ow, ow, <clears throat> where is it? Ow. You know, like, when you step into the radiation. This episode's for the gamers. Uh... Yeah, like, everything's just a fucking pain sound effect from a video game. (laughs) Yeah. Or when's the last time you've jumped? Ever think about that shit? I haven't jumped since 2003. Like, a vertical, like, leap into the air. And I won't dare try it, because I feel like when I come back to the ground, my knees are going to blow out of my knees. My knees are going... My kneecaps are going to blow out of my legs. I don't even know what the fuck I have on my body. I don't know. 2003, the good old days, pain-free. All I cared about was short-haired white girls who didn't like me back. Uh, I was a loser in high school. Loser. I know that may be hard to believe. Uh, I, I like... <laughs> I played this massively multiplayer online role-playing game called EverQuest. And uh, I like attended weddings in-game. <laughs> I was like security at a wedding. 
because my character was a paladin with like a, a flaming sword of might that was going to keep the orcs away from the elven wedding in Finweir, Finweir Forest. Fadeware Forest. God, I can't believe I remember that. Uh, yeah, those are dark times. Like, I wasn't going to go outside and play in the streets of Harlem in, like, in 1997. Fuck that. Uh, I was like, I got my compact, I got my 56K, and I'm not going outside until I have to go to school in the Upper West Side tomorrow. But that's, but I met, like, so many, I made friends on the internet. Like, I have, like, lifelong friends from playing video games when I was, yeah, 13. This guy, Dean... Uh, who's like married and has kids and like, you know, works in, you know, media and entertainment now. And we just started playing like shooting games together. And like, I guess that's why I'm a loser today. Uh, I also didn't realize that I'm just all over the place today, guys. I'm just kind of talking off the top of the dome. Um, talking up the top of the dome. I never realized how much white people hated fireworks or a certain type of white people, uh, rich white liberals. Which they don't really, I mean, that felt like more racist to me than anything. When these white people were just like, I can't understand why these fireworks are going off all the time. My dog has PTSD. He had a very rough upbringing when we had to move from Park Slope to, to the Hudson Valley. It was a really rough transition for him. And he is also transitioning from male to female as well. So it's a really difficult time for him. And these fireworks that these niggers keep blasting off. That's kind of what they're saying. Like, because I grew up in Harlem, fireworks <laughs> and gunshots were just kind of like my lullaby to sleep. So, like, seeing all these white people who, like, two weeks ago were saying Black Lives Matter are now being like, where are the police that shut down these fireworks? Oh, the sweet irony. Uh, yeah, it's kind of fucked up. I, I don't know. Because re- Republican conservative white people, they love fireworks. And so do Hispanics and black people. The only people that don't like fireworks are rich white liberals. So, uh, again, one of those cultural incongruencies that people don't like to address. But, you know, you want to talk about coded language. Uh, white people who are anti-fireworks are racist. You heard it here first. Uh, speaking of white people, I made a white girl cry. Uh, I do that a lot, but... <laughs> I was like sitting, I don't know, like I just befriended this random group of girls and we were talking and you know, what were we talking about? Oh, like this fucking lesbian was just like, oh, uh, you know, black lives matter, cancer, women's rights and animal rights are all things we need to work on. I was like, well, bitch, those are four different things. You need to not put black lives matter with the fucking endangered kangaroos of Australia. Okay. And also women's rights. Like choose your goddamn battles. But I was trying to impress upon them that, like, as white women, their battle is much different than a black person's or a black man's. And I'm like, yeah, you guys have probably had a lot of help. She's like, well, I own a farm. I'm like, and your, your dad didn't help you with, like, financing that farm? And then she and then she just starts bawling. And her friends are like, no, you stop, stop talking. Stop talking. I'm like, nah, bitch, I ain't gonna stop talking. Her dad helped her. And the girl's crying still. I'm like, yeah, because I just told you the truth. And they're like, her dad died two weeks ago. And he didn't help her. I was just like, and, all, and like, I'll never back down. So all I did was maintain eye contact with the girl who was crying and was just, was just like, I'm sorry for your loss, but my point still remains <laughs> while she's sitting there sobbing. Uh, that's tenacity, guys. That's uh, that's not giving up and abandoning your virtues uh, when you've broken someone emotionally, just to prove a point. 
that you really don't even care about all that much. Uh, but yeah, Black Lives Matter is not women's rights. And white women are co-opting Black Lives Matter to assert such a thing. You know, the white, I think I said this last time, but white women see Black Lives Matter as sort of the paramilitary wing of their ideologies. They sort of dispatch us to go destroy our own neighborhoods and flip over police cars uh, while they kind of watch from afar being like, oh, well, when the property values go down, we can buy a home there. Uh, but yeah, you know, Black Lives Matter. We're, we're going to keep it in the suburbs, though, while you guys destroy your city. And, uh, you know, we'll show up every once in a while for uh, protests as it fits our schedule. But of course, with the fall coming, we may be a little too busy to take off time from work to help you black people. Um, but, you know, we, uh, we've got bumper stickers. And uh, we're going to post on Instagram telling other white people how to white people. Okay. You guys are good? Okay. Go. Don't, don't come to our neighborhoods. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, rich white liberals hate fireworks. That's such a weird thing. Um, all right. I feel good. I think I'll feel all right. So, yeah, I guess I was supposed to do the CBT therapy yesterday, but of course I bailed. I got, I will do it. It's just like 200 bucks per session. And like, there's no pictures of the therapist. And like, I don't want it to be some old Brunhilde. I know this is, this is not how you should approach therapy. I want it to be some hot bitch who is as sexy as fuck. No, I just want, you know, you, you can tell if you're going to relate with someone based on how they appear. (laughs) That's called racism. All right. Uh, Or prejudice. It's called prejudice. Prejudice. The reason I brought up my dad in the prison thing is because I've been reading Tom Wolfe's The Bonfire of the Fan- Bonfire of the Vanities. And it really perfectly describes where I grew up grew up through the prison of this like really bougie megalomaniac white guy uh, who is trying to like keep up appearances but has a really sort of like middle class job and like a shitty not shitty, but like he just wants more for himself and he compares himself constantly to his more successful peers. Uh, sounds very familiar. And he was describing an area of the Bronx that I spent a lot of time at as a kid and that I've not seen described in literature so perfectly. Not perfectly, because again, like the, the character is this really kind of vain piece of shit. Again, very familiar. Uh, and it just reminded me of my dad, the Bronx, because that's where a lot of his family comes from. I don't know why I explained that to you. All right. Um, okay. Well, guys, I hope you're doing okay. Hope you're staying active. You know, use this summer time to get out into the woods and shit and stretch and do CBT therapy and, uh, you know, take care of your bodies and your mind and your soul and all that shit. And uh, until next time, guys, be seeing you.